challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are in our Southern Command. I thank you to my good buddy for uh, providing me a space uh, through which I can do the show. That is awesome. We really appreciate it. It's uh, it's kind of fun to do the show in different locations, and now we have a way to do it. Uh, I'll probably be doing more of that. Maybe some on-location stuff. It's a lot of, a lot of fun for me. A lot of fun to see the the uh, the vibrance and all the stuff that happens. So, I am glad to do it. Glad to do it. Hey, you know, today is going to be a unique show in that um, we have a special guest who is extremely unique. Uh, I'm going to tell you. You guys know that I am. I am. I am into Second Amendment stuff. I'm into. Uh, gun safety, for sure. I, I don't believe anybody should should even be around guns if, uh, if 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 they're not confident. You know, if they're not confident, they can't be safe. Then, you know, I don't want you around them. It's just that simple. And and I'm okay with that. Totally okay with that. But I have to say, um, I am a fan of firearms. I'm a fan of the the freedom. I, I'm a, really I'm a fan of what firearms they're you know what they are i'll tell you what they are and i always teach this when i'm teaching women how to use the ladies how to use the uh how to use a gun and and i tell you what i like even more than anything is uh, a, a female who has never even touched a gun really they're more fun to teach than males who have you know firearms experience and definitely more fun than males who do not have any firearms experience, just so you know. Um, they are very malleable. They listen. They're very respectful. Uh, and, t- and I'll tell you the truth, and this won't be a shock to you, most people will tell you, most firearms instructors will tell you, um, they're more fun to teach because they listen. They just listen. You know, they, I'll tell you what else too, they're, they're a great shot. Most women are really, really a good shot. So uh, it is kind of a cool thing. And um, But here's the difference. Here's the difference. Today, we have someone very, very special going to be on the show. Um, and what he does is he deals with the Second Amendment. He deals with your your gun rights at a different level than, than you may have ever um, and you guys know Sean Maloney, the attorney Sean Maloney, founder of Second um, Second Call Defense. 
go to my website, The Ninja Pastor. By the way, you've reached The Ninja Pastor, uh, The Collision of Faith and Politics. Probably should have told you that. Collision of Faith and Politics with The Ninja Pastor. Uh, com, TheNinjaPastor.com. Go to those places. At the bottom, you'll see a red banner, uh, Second Call Defense. Click on that. And that's going to give you a lot of information that you just don't you just don't know. I mean, you can't possibly know it um, until you know it, and it is pretty extraordinary. The information is really, really something special. So, all that said to say this, our guest today is really going to light you up. Um, he he wrote an article. I'll tell you how I got into it. His name is Joshua Prince, by the way, uh, like the prince. He's such a prince, Joshua. He's such a prince. You know. Um, I read an article that Joshua wrote. By the way, he he is uh, from the state of Pennsylvania, and he uh, is one of the founders of Firearms Industry Consulting Group, which is extraordinary. And uh, he is one of those guys who, when you – there's a lot of people – maybe I go back to the beginning on this. There are a lot of people fighting for your rights that you don't even know about. Now, I want to I want to say this, and I don't want to scare you, or I don't want this to be hyperbole, but there are a lot of people fighting for you that you don't even know are fighting for you. Now, why are they fighting for you, and you don't even know that they're fighting for you? Let me tell you why. They're fighting for you because you don't realize your rights, your firearms rights, your Second Amendment right is under attack. And so a lot of these things get handled before they ever make the mainstream press. I know that sounds crazy, but it's absolutely true. So so from that perspective, I, I want to kind of come at it from that perspective and help you see that um, there people like Joshua Prince and his firm, Firearms, um, industry uh, consulting group, this industry, I'll give you another example. This should be for fun. Why not? It's free of charge. Um, You know, Sandy Hook, the shooting, alleged shooting, uh, which apparently took a lot of lives um, up in Sandy Hook, a lot of children's lives and teachers and whatnot. Um, In that particular case, immediate I mean, this was this was absolutely immediate, in which the firearms industry came under tremendous attack. In fact, many uh, organizations and groups within uh, within the state of uh, well, that state, not just Connecticut, but uh, all around. I mean, all over the country. The same thing happened, uh, ironically, in Orlando uh, and other places where there's been shooting San Bernardino. Uh, they bring these lawsuits. Of course, first thing the President of the United States soon, what is it, 30 days I think we have. 30 days, this guy's out. Can't wait till he's gone. Um, so 30, 30 days from now, he'll be gone. But he's still President for now. Uh, and, and and so he, you know, first thing he does is come on television and get all boo-hooey and uh, terrible, it's awful. You know, why can't we do something? Why are we so irrational in life that we can't do something? Someone should do something, right? Isn't that always the way it is? Somebody's got to do something. Well, so so the, the industry gets attacked. The industry gets attacked. 
and and so uh, Joshua Prince and his firm, they come to the rescue. They they get out there and they come to the rescue because if somebody didn't do it, honestly, if somebody didn't do it, I hate to tell you this, you'd be losing a lot more rights than you have. There are a lot of groups out there. Everybody, of course, thinks of the NRA. The left thinks the NRA are slave-oriented uh, people, KKK, you know, all of that. It's the mean, and I've just dispelled that. Uh, it's really kind of ridiculous, to be to be honest with you, because the NRA was formed to provide for black people, uh, recently freed slaves, gun rights. Isn't that something? By the way, I always like to point this out. A University of Michigan Muslim student lied in claiming a man threatened to light her on fire unless she removed her hijab. Hashtag Islamophobia, F-A-U-X-B-I-A. I'm down with that. Um, flat out lied, you know, just flat out lied. And so then there is the whole hue and cry of, well, what should we do? I mean, yeah, they lied, but it was harmless. Plus, we're talking, we're talking slums, and you know they got a hard way to go. So we'll just have to have to give them a break. No, I say no. Don't give them a break. In fact, slam them, slam them like if I said a uh, if I said a black person assaulted me for whatever reason. If I said that, wouldn't you want me to be prosecuted. All of black society would want me prosecuted, and really most of white society would want me prosecuted. But now we have all these cases, and, and there's so far not been one single case that has been proven to be true, authentic, real. Well, it, do you find that to be a I find it to be a problem. But more than that I find it to be a problem, I I have grave concerns over... You, who who has heard the story? Uh, raise your hand. I, not that I'll see it. Um, who has heard the story of the boy that cried wolf? We've all heard that, right? We've all heard it. So we've all heard this boy that cried wolf, and and the Muslims are not crying wolf though. This is all a setup. I just recently watched a video, uh, which I thought was very uh, interesting. You know, if you follow me on Facebook, I always forget to say this. Follow me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash, I think it's SM Greener, I think. I don't know. But if you type in my name or Shawn Michael Greener or you type in the Ninja Pastor, will take it right there. Follow that. So there's a big long thread going on, uh, Samantha B and Glenn Beck form unlikely union to fight Trumpism. I'd encourage you to read that because that whole thread there, including the replies and all that stuff, hundreds and hundreds of entries. Uh, but read some of it. I think it will be interesting to to see how the left, uh, and it's really the, the racist left, um, and and some blacks. I don't think it's all blacks. I don't think it's all blacks. Uh, in fact, I know it's not all blacks. It's the it's the professionally and perpetually aggrieved blacks. They need an excuse. We're the excuse. So I, I get tired of that. Um, and in fact, you know, in my Southern Command here, great, great black friends who hate that. They actually hate that. They're bobbing their heads. They hate that. They hate when a black person steps up and, and claims racism. Donald Trump, he's a racist. 
NRA, they're racist white people. Um, I know a ton of black people in the NRA. Ironically, they're also conservative. They've been enlightened. They've been enlightened. Anyway, uh, at theninjapastor.com, you can follow me on Twitter, too. And I'm on um, Instagram. I, I do a little photography, and my stuff is there. But my point in all that is if you follow me there, you, you can you can look and see uh, how the left thinks. The liberal left thinks uh, it's it's almost insane to me. Uh, uh, well, it, it's definitely a mental order, uh, mental disorder. Uh, liberalism is a mental disorder. I, I really believe that. And so, Ann Coulter, I think, coined that phrase. Liberalism is a mental disorder. Um, and, and I know lots of liberals who are great. They're they're amazing. They're fantastic. And you say, you know, how can that be? How can that be? You know, how do you have uh, for a guy who's supposed to be a racist, I have a gazillion great black friends. And for a guy who is supposed to be, you know, anti-LGBT, I have a ton of, and I have relatives that are that are LGBT. Um, I have a ton of friends that that are LGBT uh, that I consider like family, and I would never. Uh, ever under any circumstances, never would I ever allow them to be mistreated or have any of their rights taken away. Um, the rights that they have, the rights that, that, that are afforded to all of us. But I don't like classing individuals either. Um, I'm going somewhere with this, so hang with me. I don't like classing individuals. I, I don't like to put people in different classes because what that does, when you label people that way, then then invariably somebody is going to have preference, right? I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense. Sure it does. Everybody knows that it does. It, it does. It makes, it makes a ton of sense. Well, here's where we are at this point. Uh, you know, I get called all kinds of bad names, and, you know, and you'll see uh, if you follow me on Facebook and you can read this post, uh, you will absolutely see that hey, it's it, this. They're coming unhinged. Now I get followed by uh, Media Matters. You guys know who Media Matters is? Um, you gotta know who Media. Everybody knows who Media. No, nobody knows. Media Matters is a group. They they pick on conservatives. They say that they're they're not biased. They're not any of those things. But I'm here to tell you they absolutely are. They're as biased as biased can get. Well, Media Matters, what they like to do is they like to follow conservatives, and they like to track them. They like to uh, troll on their posts in, in uh, you know, wherever, whatever they're doing. So uh, that's what they like to do. They like to trip you up. They like to mess you up if you're a conservative. Well, they follow me now. And so uh, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. Seriously, it really, really doesn't. And so people have asked me, you know, doesn't it bother you that they're always kind of inserting themselves in your in your business? Uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and I'm no by no means anybody famous or anything like that. But at the same time, I, I take it as a little bit of a compliment. You know, if they didn't think I was doing something important. Well, that leads us to this. You talk about classing people. Uh, I don't know how many of you. Uh, really like being called a deplorable. I I, I personally 
didn't like it. Uh, it wasn't my fave. I don't know many people that do. Hey, what's up, my fellow deplorable? You know, it's it's not uh, it it doesn't resonate. It's not as much fun to be called a deplorable. And so Hillary Clinton and her people they called us deplorables, and they said, you know, they really they really said we were nothing. If you look back at the at the there's a lot of people on the left and the right who have what we talk about as election fatigue. Well, part of what wore them out. Uh, by the way, hello all around the world listening. Thank you for those that joined us. I forgot to mention again that chat is open, so you are you are very most welcome uh, to uh, to join us in chat. Chat is fun. It's a it's a real fun time. And so, as far as that goes. You know, join in. It's a great conversation in there. Uh, it, it is a blast. It really is a blast. So let's see here. Joshua's trying to call in, and no one is picking up. I don't know why that is. Let me, let me, I don't see it here, so let me get you the call-in number. Uh, let me get it here. I don't have a producer. So let's see here. You know, one time I said the guest call-in number on the air uh, by accident because the person was listening. Oh, there we go. There we go. There we go. Joshua. Hi, Sean. Yes, how are you? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing well. Awesome. I was just singing your praises. Yeah, I do that. Thing, Joshua, I was blown away by your, uh, now what do you call it, National Reciprocity Article? Yes, uh, the 411, yep, on National Reciprocity. Now, can you tell our people, first of all, let me just say this, this is, is, um, and I spelled his last name wrong, uh, Joshua Prince, not a king, but a prince. He will be king (laughs) when he dies, sorry. But uh, but he is an awesome attorney, and and we're very fortunate to have him. Uh, this is a unique firm uh, that you lead, and I have to tell you, I'm very very impressed. I did a lot of because you're a pretty young guy. At least you you look pretty young, and um, yeah. you've got some some pretty serious education going on here, and you've been kicking butt and taking names ever since. But you are chief counsel of the Firearms Industry Consulting Group, and I was explaining to folks. You also have your Prince Law offices and and all of that. Uh, you you handle civil rights, uh, deprivations, class actions. Uh, you formed the Cannabis Industry Law Group, uh, the Division of Civil Rights. And I'm going to hear a little bit about that uh, because I'm always talking about sure. cannabis as a medication and um, all that. So that's a whole different thing. But so you really jumped into the deep end. You've jumped into the third rail uh, of, <laughs> of conversation and so you clearly are afraid of nothing and i love that just love that but you're from berks county pennsylvania fourth generation of princes practicing in local area i love that and it's really a kind of a cool thing and so you're in it to win it your whole family's invested very heavily and i and i like it i really really do but but the thing is and i want you to explain to the people and i think people listening all over the world um, explain to the people what is national reciprocity, if you don't mind. Sure. So national reciprocity is similar in nature to how 
reciprocity is granted for driver's licenses. So individuals, once you get your driver's license here in the United States, people don't think twice about driving through other states and uh, understand that their driver's license will be acknowledged by those other states, even though they are not a resident of that particular state. So if in Pennsylvania and I decide to travel up to Maine, I know I'm not going to have an issue, you know, driving through New York, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, all the different states that they're going to honor my Pennsylvania driver's license. There is the same type of issue in relation to carrying of firearms. And right now, there is no national reciprocity. So unlike with your driver's license where uh, every state would acknowledge your driver's license, not every state will acknowledge your license to carry or concealed carry permit, depending on how your state terms that license. So we frequently here in Pennsylvania see individuals who believe that their, we call it a license to carry, is synonymous with a driver's license. It was a, a very well-known case of Shanine Allen, a young African-American lady who uh, is a single mother. She was a nurse lived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She gets her license to carry so that she can protect herself and her family members and such. And she has to go across the border to New Jersey. Uh, I forget the specifics, but I believe it was related to her family. And she goes across the bridge and immediately she gets pulled over for a, allegedly a traffic infraction. And the first thing she does when the officer comes up is says, look, I want to let you know I have a license to carry my firearms in the glove box. And that was her first mistake. Well, her first mistake was talking to police, but the second mistake was then telling the police that she had this firearm in the car. As a result, she gets criminally prosecuted. And she's looking at spending a significant amount of time in jail. And this was about two years ago. It was actually right around the Christmas time where she may have been imprisoned and not been able to be with her family over Christmas. And thankfully, in that situation, uh, after a lot of pressure was placed upon the district attorney's office, they gave her an alternate disposition, which did not result in a conviction. And thereafter, Governor Christie pardoned her. And uh, it's my understanding that she's now additionally obtained expungement of that charging. But it was all related to her misunderstanding and belief that her license to carry would be valid in all 50 states. So this common issue sense, right? has... Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this issue... I, mean, I, I would never think that, that I couldn't go into Maryland or New Jersey or New York. I mean, they're, they're subject to the Constitution. The Second Amendment is, is a real thing there, right? Unless it's not. So, so why wouldn't I think that? Why wouldn't I think that? Well, and, and part of the issue is that currently, based on the U.S. Supreme Court case law that we have, the U.S. Supreme Court has not really addressed the Second Amendment outside the scope of the home. And we have plenty of federal court decisions that actually say that it doesn't extend beyond the scope of the home, which is absolutely absurd, because we know the Founding Fathers possessed firearms outside of their home, and that they considered the Second Amendment one of the most important provisions of the U.S. Constitution to protect the people against tyranny. So I think those are absurd determinations, but unfortunately, the U.S. Supreme Court, at least until recently, hadn't weighed in at all. 
more recently, there was a case, U.S. v. Caetano, uh, C-A-E-T-O-N-O, I believe, uh, or A-N-O, uh, where it was a Massachusetts case where a young lady had gone out, purchased a stun gun because she was under threat from an ex-boyfriend. Uh, and the boyfriend actually at one point confronted her. She pulled out the stun gun and basically pushed the button so he'd hear the noise, and that was enough to send him away. Well, apparently a couple weeks later, she gets stopped by a police officer, and it becomes known that she has this stun gun in her purse. And they criminally prosecute her because they contend in Massachusetts it's illegal to have a stun gun. And this goes up to the Massachusetts Supreme Court. The Massachusetts Supreme Court says, yep, stun gun's not protected by the Second Amendment, and this is a crime, and they convict her. There was an appeal filed up to the U.S. Supreme Court asking the U.S. Supreme Court to weigh in. They did in a limited fashion. Basically, they issued what's called a per curiam order. It's just an order of the court. Uh, and they overturned the Massachusetts Supreme Court and said, you're wrong, stun guns do come under the protection of the Second Amendment. They didn't give any analysis. They didn't, in the premium order, even explain the background to the case. And what happened is Justice Alito uh, submitted a, a concurring opinion, where the concurring opinion was like 12 times the length of the per curiam decision, and he goes through all of the background to this case and how this violates clearly the Second Amendment and that there's no better case for the court to have weighed in on than this one because clearly this is an individual who utilized this stun gun in a lawful way and prevented the need to use lethal force, lethal force that was lawful in Massachusetts. So, you know, that's... it's interesting to me. They don't want you to carry a gun. They don't want you to have the great equalizer, no matter how well trained you are. And they don't want you to even have a stun gun. I mean, what are they? What is? What is their option? What option are they providing to this dear lady? Uh, you know, she's she's being attacked. Uh, she's being abused, and so this she acquires this thing. And and what is she supposed to do? Stop or yell stop louder? I mean, what exactly is it? What, how does this person receive any sort of protection? And and the scarier aspect six, was six illegal? one of the scarier aspects of the concurring opinion was the sentence Justice Alito included in it near the end of, of the opinion where he said that the court only begrudgingly found in favor of Caetano. What that right. is a signal of is that there were enough of the justices on the U.S. Supreme Court that weren't sure that her conduct was protected by the Second Amendment and that they only begrudgingly agreed to issue the procurium order. That is a scary sentence for anyone living in the United yeah. States. And that's why this past election was so important because of everything that's on the line with regards to the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, it is scary. And I know our audience is, is really uh, stunned by what you're saying, because to be honest with you, uh, you know, if we knew half of what goes, you know what I said this, I don't know if you heard at the beginning, 
uh, in the open, but when I was introducing you, is I was saying, you know why you don't hear a lot of this stuff? Because there's people like Joshua and his firm and his organization, they are they're fighting for us, and they're fighting for us so we never hear those things. We don't hear these things because you're in the, you know, you're in the trenches. They don't announce these things on the, you know, on the news, uh, and, and and so, but the the whole left and and thank you for bringing up the election. I mean, the whole left would say, no, that's that's great. That's common sense. We need common sense gun laws. They love to put common sense first because then that puts the onus upon us. Well, you people don't have common sense. We have to come in as liberals and say. You know, common sense is 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 the deal. Exactly, you know, and then all the liberals also get excluded from any of the laws, so that their bodyguards and all of them can possess firearms, but then everyone else is precluded. Right, 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 right. So, uh, you know, when you when when you say something like what you just said about they begrudgingly, they they begrudgingly. Uh, allowed this. What that says to me, number one, obviously, Supreme Court justices don't necessarily know and understand what they think they know and understand, and worse yet, what we think they know and understand about the Constitution. Uh, the, the, the Second Amendment. If you if you wouldn't mind giving our audience, uh, because huge gun people, when I when I preach and speak all over the country, you know, I'm obviously armed every everywhere. Uh, and what's funny is people will sometimes say, are you really armed? Do you really stand up in a pulpit and preach with guns on you, dripping with guns? Yeah, I really do. And uh, because people sometimes want to kill people that speak the truth. So I'd like to be able to fight back. But it, it is funny, a lot of the groups that I speak to, it's the, most, it's the safest place in the country at that particular moment because it's filled with people who are armed. But, you know, I asked someone the other day, a conservative, really smart uh, guy, good guy, you know, tell me what the Second Amendment means to you. And and it was kind of a little bit of a pedantic response. It was very, very basic, very, very third grade type of understanding of it. I'm wondering if you would be willing to explain to our audience what the Second Amendment is and what does it mean? What does it actually mean? Uh, well, I think it first depends on whether you're going to look at it through the lens of our founding fathers or as uh, the liberals would contend that you need to look at it from the lens of society today. And one of my favorite uh, arguments by liberals is that the Constitution is a living, breathing document. And there is one simple question you can ask any liberal that they'll never be able to answer in that regard. And that is simply... If the Founding Fathers intended the U.S. Constitution to be a living, breathing document, why did they provide an amendment process? There would be no need for an amendment process. It would simply evolve. Yet they included an amendment process because it was not intended to be a living, breathing document, yet it was designed that where society believes that the Constitution no longer applied, they could amend it. Now, I say that with a caveat, because I truly believe that our founding fathers did believe, uh, at least in the first numbered uh, amendments, that those were inalienable rights, rights that no government could take away from you. So I'm not sure that our founding fathers would have agreed that society could do away with the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, 
those, I believe, our founding fathers truly believed were inherent rights given by a higher power, whether you call that God or whatever your religious beliefs are. Um, so getting back to your underlying question, I truly believe that the Second Amendment was instituted first because it was believed to be an inherent right. And if you actually look back at some of the Federalist Papers and such, many of the Founding Fathers didn't even think they needed to include the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, because they thought there could be no dispute. Everyone understood that those were inherent rights. And can you imagine where we would be today if they had not included them? And yeah, oh, getting yeah, back yeah. to the Second the Second Amendment, I truly believe the Founding Fathers believed that that was the sole recourse to prevent tyranny, that the ability of the people to be armed to prevent an out-of-control government was at the forefront of their beliefs. And one has to remember what they had just gone through with the king, and that they had to fight, believed to be an insurmountable army, and sure. they were successful. That, that's how they gained their independence. So I truly believe that the Second Amendment was seen by the Founding Fathers as the protector of all the other amendments. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. We are of an accord there. Now, so back to national reciprocity. Now, what caught me, and I wish I'd have learned about you before, because I have to know that one of your practice areas um, obviously, you, you represent individuals, uh, gun ranges, clubs. Uh, you, you do this, you know, the, for individuals, you do civil rights deprivations, estate planning and administration, expungements, pardons, firearms relief uh, with disabilities, representation, gun trust, hunting and fishing violations, license to carry firearms. One of the, by the way, one of the reasons why I'm 100% disabled, but one of the reasons why I don't pursue um, Social Security disability is because of their propensity to take away people's guns. Now, I don't have any sort of, uh, I mean, some folks would say I'm a little bit crazy, but they certainly, you know, I've, my faculties are all there. I don't have depression. I don't have any of those things. And so as a result, you know, I don't do it because there's no way in the world they're going to make me even more defenseless by taking away uh, my right to carry a firearm. But you also represent uh, ranges and gun clubs. People don't realize this. We do have a listener who has a lot of experience with this because they have a private club in Ohio, and I, I don't think they're getting sued, but they're they're getting just uh, by the government. Now, they've done all the different things that they're supposed to do, and every time they say jump, the government says jump, they, they ask how high on the way up. All these things. They do all these things, and every single time they find something else to mess with them, about and it's just really ridiculous. But you do OSHA compliance, uh, hazardous chemicals, hearing conservation, things like that, and then you do trademark and copyright uh, stuff. So you do important stuff. But what I see that jumps out at me uh, that is extraordinary is FFL, Federal Firearms Licensees, the corporate structure, procurement of FFL, all those things, and then also revocation. But I, the reason I brought this up is, is I really, I wish that I would have known you uh, back a few years because I have a dear friend, one of my best friends. His name is Dave. I won't say his last name. Uh, but Dave, uh, they had a great shop uh, down in Greenville, Tennessee. And he had this group, this private group called the Second Amenders. It was really a cool thing. I was a men member, very proud member of that group. Um, 
But Dave and his wife had this really cool, uh, it's small, very small, uh, like gun shop, sporting shop, you know, all of that. And and so what happens is they financed their shop all on their personal credit. I know you know where I'm going with this. They, they financed mm-hmm. the whole place on their personal credit. And I mean to tell you, they put everything on the line. They were doing okay, doing okay. They weren't ringing quite enough through the register, but they had about $385,000 worth of um of in equity in their buildings. Yeah, it, well, no, in their building, actual true equity, real estate equity. So they go to their bank and they say, hey, bank, what we'd like to do is we'd like to get our our personal debt, we'd like to turn that into business debt, but what we'd like to do in our business building, which you've already told us, bank, that uh, we have $385,000 in equity, actual live equity in this. We don't even want 385000 We just need you know, about 100000 and that'll that'll get us you know to where we need to be and, and all of that. Well, not only do they not give them that loan, but they start with really crazy because they also had their home loan through these people. So they see, oh, you're a you're a gun. You sell guns and ammunition and weapons, medieval weapons such as crossbows and all of these things. Oh, we don't like you. And so they started using what I think has to do with Operation Choke Point, they started using business mm-hmm. tactics to to keep them from getting credit that if they sold widgets, they would have said, hey, you can have 385000 Would you like four let Let's make it a round number. Why not? So I, I wish I yep. had known about you then because I'd have referred you because they've been abused. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate. And even getting back to what you were talking about earlier, with the Social Security Administration, uh, if you look on our blog, I actually have a blog article from a couple months back about a veteran who the Veterans Association does not dispute is handling his own financial affairs, but they decided to place him on this, what they call supervised direct payment status. They have now taken the position because they elected to place him on the supervised uh, direct payment status that he is prohibited under the Gun Control Act from being able to possess and purchase firearms because he has been declared incompetent by them. Now, he was provided no hearing. He didn't have an attorney. All it was was a claims adjuster from the Veterans Affairs Association or department who decided that he fit this criteria. And now he's stripped of his Second Amendment right. And See, we've heard me, horror stories of the me, same thing. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Is, is To me, I don't understand why in America, Americans, good Americans, and I say this on my show all the time and speeches all around, I, I say, look, even if you're not a gun person, you need to understand that you must, you must fight for gun rights because one day you may need a gun, you won't be able to get it, or one day maybe you have a gun and your rights get abused, you get abused, you get locked up, you get your rights taken away, and then, then where are you? Where are you then? You got nothing. So if we don't have people like you and your organization fighting for us, well, I, I don't I don't know that we have much hope. Quite frankly, I hate to sound, you know, dark, but, but honestly, I mean, I, I really believe that to be the case. Now, do I feel better about Donald Trump, you know, his kids, all of them, 
uh, you know, he is a concealed carry permit holder in New York. That's no small thing. He also has his permit in Florida and several other states. Uh, all of his kids are uh, permit holders as well, avid hunters. He doesn't hunt, but all of his kids do. They're really in, into uh, firearms and all that. And so I do have a better feeling about it. Obviously, with Antonin Scalia, God rest his soul, uh, with him dying, the Supreme Court worries me. You, you know, you, st you stated earlier that they, they were reluctant to, to do what they should do in this case. So, you know, where do you see, as, as far as, you know, gun rights in general, I, I guess we would say now, um, where do you see the Supreme Court going? You know, let's, I, I don't even know who really uh, Donald Trump has suggested uh, for the Supreme Court. And I think maybe he's keeping that a little close to the vest, as, as probably well he should. Um, but where do you see that going? What, what do you see the next big fight that we have? Well, the Donald Trump did put out originally, I think it was 20 different judges that he was considering for uh, Supreme Court nomination. And it was my understanding about a week ago, there was a comment that he whittled it down to four different judges. And quite honestly, when I looked at the list of judges that he was considering when it was 20, every one of those was a solid pick for the Second Amendment. Uh, all of those would follow, in my belief, in uh, Justice Scalia's footsteps. Um, some may be even more so. I don't know that many people would believe that, but again, we have to be cognizant of the fact that in Heller, they said that shall not infringe means the government can impose reasonable restrictions. Uh, and, and that's one of the, the ones I would always put to Scalia as a strict constructionist. How can you say shall not infringe means reasonable restrictions okay? Nevertheless, I have the feeling that in order to get the five votes on the court that were necessary for that decision, that he had to do that. Because otherwise, we would be looking at a decision that went the other way, that this is not an individual right. And the interesting thing, if you look at it from a historical standpoint, it was not until about the 1950s, 1960s, that anyone started arguing that the Second Amendment was a militia right. Before that, all the academics, everyone who looked at the Second Amendment agreed it was an individual right. Hang and on, yet... Can you, can you say that date again? I believe it was the 1950s, 1960s, when it first came about that uh, academics started arguing that the uh, Second Amendment was a militia right instead of an individual right. And I, and I have to say, Joshua, you know, it almost becomes a, a blinking warning light. You know, if you're a pilot, you know, that low altitude light, pull up, pull up, pull up, you know, all of these different things, you know, it's blinking, it's making sounds. And so in the 50s and 60s, all of a sudden, uh, the academics populated hugely. I talk about them in my book. Uh, you know, they, they figured, hey, the way for us to win is to populate the schools from little kids all the way up to colleges, populate the school boards, do all these things. And so they began this, and they've been very successful at it. What did we do? We slept. We said, hey, they're never going to take it away. America won't allow that. There's, there's millions, hundreds of millions of gun owners in America. They're never going to allow that. And what happened? We allowed them to start uh, insinuating lies into uh, saying, you know, that it, it means militia, it means this, it means that, all these different little nicks that they did, death by a thousand cuts, and all of a sudden, 
we need people like you, no offense, love what you do, but, but we shouldn't have even needed a firm like your firm in the first place. I mean, we shouldn't have needed this, but we collectively as a country became, I think, lazy and, and, and maybe apathetic. I, I hate to say it, I mean, but maybe we are. Maybe, maybe we've, but, but I will say this, and I don't know if you'll agree with this. I think this election uh, is, is really a referendum. And and it's good Amer- whether she wants to call us deplorables, the left wants to call us angry white men, according to Bill Clinton. Um, you know, I guess being a horny white man is better than being an angry white man. So he's putting himself <laughs> above us. He's not mad. But, uh, you know, all of these things, they call us, tell us all these things. They can't wait to take away our guns. They can't wait to do all these things. We sat back for far too long. We were too... Um, I don't want to say pacifistic, but we were we were too busy working, we were too busy hunting, too busy conserving, you know, real conservation of the environment. There's no better uh, conserv- conservative of the environment than hunters and sportsmen. You know, we we of course want to conserve it because we want to do this forever. We want to take our grandkids hunting and fishing and all these things. All that said to say this: that now you you talking about the 50s and 60s. Gosh, that's that's not that long ago, right? That's not that long ago, right? And they've done a pile and, of damage. And really, uh, some of your listeners may be aware of uh, Glenn Beck's book, The Overton Window, which is based on a political yes. theory that basically at any given moment there's a range of policies related to any particular issue that are considered politically acceptable, and that's basically in the window, and other policies that politicians seeking to gain or hold office don't feel they can recommend without being considered too far outside the mainstream or the outside window. So what they do is they start to slowly move the window, those politically acceptable, by utilizing individuals to take the farthest approach, like, you can't have any guns, I'm going to ban all the guns, and then someone says, well, you know, that, that's ridiculous, but we can implement reasonable restrictions such as, you know, making sure that, you know, no one who has ever thought that um, President Obama was uh, not qualified to be president shouldn't own guns. You know, and, and just they start to whittle away and they start to take certain positions that aren't as extreme. And when you compare them to the extreme position, it doesn't seem that bad. And people get lulled into this false sense of security and never realize that they're being played. I mean, it's like when Obama was originally running, I remember seeing all these signs, sportsmen for Obama. I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, how can you even? Yeah. Um, But yet there, there were a number of individuals that, you know, believed he'd be fine. And you do have those individuals in society who say, they're not coming for my hunting rifle, so you know, you know, I, I don't care what they do about the the semi-automatics or the handguns or that, because I'm still going to have my shotgun and my hunting rifle. And next thing you know, they're knocking on your door for the hunting rifle and the shotgun. Right. What do you What do you think of? And I've been dying to ask you this question uh, since we talked about you coming on. What do you think of the California law that's about to take effect? 
the I don't know what they call it, but it's it reduces you to no more than ten rounds. You can't have a magazine with more than ten rounds. And I think now uh, part of the law is if you have a, an a AK-47 or an AR-15, you have to register it. What are your right. What are your feelings? Uh, well, uh, I, I personally think it's unconstitutional. Obviously, the, the problem in why California has been able to get away with this is the fact that uh, there were a number of cases that went up to the Supreme Court that the Supreme Court refused to hear. Now, that might be telling in a sense because it's very possible that prior to his passing in that, Justice Scalia was doing the, the rounds and figuring out where all the justices stood and found out that there wouldn't be enough votes to find that that particular criteria in that case would be found to be covered by the Second Amendment. So instead of having a decision issued that would be detrimental, he was trying to force you know the cases not to be heard by the court, hoping that there would be a brighter day tomorrow, justices that would you know fill in for such as uh, Justice Ginsburg, who you know is well past the historical time of resignation or death for a Supreme Court justice, and that the court could basically change. Because, I mean, talking about Ginsburg, she's actually stated that we should look to international law over our Constitution. Now, to me, that's treason, especially well, for a Supreme Court justice to say that. But, um, well, you know, with that, that... She should probably be checked for mental uh, stability and... and you know, no offense to Alzheimer's or dementia or anything like that, but let's be honest. You know, she falls asleep in every session. They look away. She turns her chair in such a way uh, so that, you know, she doesn't annoy the other justices, but they all kind of laugh about it. Well, you know, it's long hours and, and all of this, but let's be real. Hey, let me just share this with you. Uh, one of our folks, we have the best chat, uh, but BJ says, gun guy or not, what's to keep them, in quotes, from whittling away all the other amendments once the second is crippled. Hard to stop the dominoes once the first falls, if it hasn't already. Defend the Second Amendment on its merits, or at least to protect the others. Man, I love that. That ought to be, a, that ought to be some sort of, it's a long bumper sticker, but, but it's important. It's so important, and we're, we're almost out of time. And today I'm only doing a one-hour show. I normally do a two-hour show. But I tell you what, Joshua, I would love to have you back Sometime uh, when we're doing our two-hour show, we're doing this because of the holidays, and and I'm on the road. Sure. Uh, we have a very sketchy connection. So, um, but I'd love to have you on again. I want to. I would love to talk more uh, in in more detail, greater detail about what exactly your firm does and uh, different examples. But I do want to give our audience uh, your your website is firearmsindustryconsultinggroup.com. Uh, and and you you know you have an actual practice and uh, the number for a consultation is 888-313-0416 or you can go online and fill out a form. But I but this PICS PICS background, what is that? What does that mean? PICS stands for Pennsylvania Instant Check System. Um, we are what's called a point of contact state. So instead of contacting FBI for a background check, it goes through the Pennsylvania State Police. They do query gotcha. what's called the National Instant Check System, the NICS system. Uh, but there were certain records at one point in time that we would not divulge to FBI and that we kept only here in Pennsylvania and that only 
the Pennsylvania State Police would have access to. Uh, in recent years, a lot of that has changed, but uh, we still are a point of contact state, and obviously the Pennsylvania State Police does not want us to become a NICS state because there are a lot of Pennsylvania State Troopers and other employees uh, basically employed by the Pennsylvania State Police for doing text checks and such. Thank you for that explanation. Um, sure. I really, uh, I, I know our audience, I'm, I'm looking at chat, and chat is, is going ballistic here, and they all want you to come back you know, when we have more time, and I, I hope you'll consider that. In, I w but sure. I want to encourage our audience, when you go to Joshua's Law, uh, it's firearmsindustryconsultinggroup.com, click on the client reviews and testimonials. Now, I know everybody can, everybody can put, you know, cherry pick the reviews, but you have pages of reviews here. And what I really love is that the, all these people describe you not only very, uh, you're, you're passionate about what you do, you're very pro-veteran, uh, you know, you're extremely skilled at what you do and you're afraid of no one. But what I really love is many of them describe you as a patriot. And I think that is so important in our in this day and age is to, is to have a true patriot handling uh, the barrister's uh, duties to, to be representing the people in a way that is um, extraordinary. And everything that I read here and the different research I've done on you tells me that, that you're the guy. So uh, I really, really Thank appreciate you. you coming on. Uh, it's, it's been, oh, it's my pleasure. And and I'll tell you the truth. I'll be in contact again or somebody from the show will be in contact with you to talk about being on. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to wish you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. I, I hope that uh, you, know, you just have a, an excellent, excellent Christmas. And certainly, uh, if we at the show can help you in any way, please let us know. Well, thank you very much. And I, I wish you and my pleasure. I, I was just going to wish everyone, all your listeners in that, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it may be, and a Happy New Year. And, and please let it be a safe one. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, Joshua. It's been a pleasure to have you on. We look forward to having you on again very, very soon. Take good care. Thanks, Sean. You do the same. My pleasure. So there you have it, folks. I mean, look, one of the things I try to do here, I, I, I try not to have people on that aren't extraordinary at what they do. Uh, and, and I would say, you know, to our audience all across the world, this guy is clearly extraordinary at what he does. And this is not a paid commercial for him. I don't want you to think they've paid me a dime or offered me anything. They haven't. I read this guy's articles. I did some research on him, and I was blown away. Absolutely extraordinary. And I hope that you have too, and I hope that you found this to be uh, valuable uh, to you. Hey, uh, hello to my buddy Dave up in up in Pennsylvania. Man, miss you, brother. It's neat that you uh, you logged on. We're glad to see that. We're very fortunate. Um, I said I wouldn't mention the numbers again, but last week we had the largest numbers we've ever had on this Wednesday show. And we went over a million downloads on one of our messages uh, on Sunday, which I thought I was surprised. That's a smaller audience typically. So I'm saying all that to say this, that I would really encourage you, go through. Go to go to the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreeter.com. Go there. Uh, and, and listen to some of the shows, and, and just put some comments. Let us know what you think. Now, as it relates to the, the crazy business that's going on, I, I said probably, I think uh, about a year ago, that, listen, you need to prepare 
for if we win, if conservatives win, if we get a win in this, in this election, 2016 election, you've got to understand that the left is not going to respond the way you respond. The left is not going to care about your feelings. Just like Islam, they don't care about your feelings. Your feelings aren't hurt. Uh, I just posted a video on, on social media of the little girl who gets hugged and kissed and then told to walk over there. And then she walks over there, and the parents hit a number on the phone, and gleefully and proudly they blow their daughter up. And that's what they're using as weapons. They use cars. They use trucks. They use knives. They use rocks. They use gasoline, uh, just like they're doing in Israel with the uh, the arson jihad. You need to understand that, that they're going to respond in a way that is not only not becoming of us, um, exactly what we should expect of them. Now, as we come into Christmas, you know, I, I'm going to tell you Christmas is Sunday, and it's going to be uh, a special, special day. It's when all across the world uh, folks observe Christmas. Um, and I, I, I would like to just remind you to, and you don't need reminding of this, but some people, maybe this will strike a chord. Don't be so worried. Don't be so worried about uh, getting just exactly the right gift or having the food exactly perfect or any of those things. Don't worry about those things. Don't worry about any of that. Focus on what God gave us through Yeshua HaMashiach. Focus on the gift that God has given us. My, what a gift. We have salvation. Free. Christ paid the cross on the cross. I don't know of any greater blessing ever in all of time. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it starts with Christmas. It starts with God sending his son through a middle schooler. I encourage you to go to drshongreener.com uh, or theninjapastor.com and listen to this past Sunday's message. I talk about Mary, a middle schooler, a middle schooler. It's amazing. Count your blessings, folks. Jerry from Pennsylvania uh, put, it, put it succinct. Count your blessings. Folks, we're so blessed to have this show. Uh, I'm so blessed to do that. If you happen to be in a position to be able to contribute to what we do, uh, and you're able to do that, wouldn't take from anything else that you're doing, go to the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. Look on the top bar there. You'll see Donate, the Donate button. Um, if you are so inclined and, and empowered, please consider doing that. That helps us do Finally, I want to say this. There are a lot of people out there hurting. A lot of people are sick. Uh, physically ill, severely physically ill. I think of my buddy Carson, my buddy Eric, great friend, my great friend Chris Cahalan, uh so many others uh, all across the country fighting, fighting and fighting terrible diseases. And I also think of the troops, the troops. Wow, tough thing. I've been there. I've been in those shoes. Remember our Gold Star families, yet another Christmas without their loved ones or maybe it's the first. God bless you and keep you. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book X 
excellence killed the church, how mediocrity is destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.